Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. That's the realness behind some of these things that we don't often talk about. We're like, no, you'd be set free. It's good and all that stuff. I've had stories like this personally within my life where it's almost immediately the enemy comes in. He's like, yeah, but how long? But how long? Just going to come back. And then he wants to trap you in that fear. He just wants to trap you in the fear. What he wants to do is, because he steals, he kills, and he destroys, what he wants to do is rob you of the freedom that Jesus has just granted to you. We have an amazing God who works miracles, and it's important for us to have faith in him. But Pastor James reminds us today that it's also important to remember that we have an enemy who's constantly seeking to disrupt God's good work. Sometimes, as God works in our life and we reach a high point, we're simultaneously filled with immense doubt. Even as God answers our prayers, we question whether good things will last. We need to remember that God's power far outweighs that of our enemy. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 5, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Space, yes, space, space. I like this much space, please. You're in the grocery store, do not, do not stand right behind me in the grocery store, all right? Because that just drives me nuts. We went to Masada. Masada is like that fortress on the hilltop overlooking the Dead Sea in Israel. And there's a gondola that you have to like ride from, you know, the station up to Masada. Been there three times. First two times, no problems. No problems. Space, room, all this good stuff. Last time I went there, they also have a trail going up to Masada that you can hike. I think it's like around three miles or something. I was wishing I took that trail on this last time because I'm looking around at all these people about to load up onto this little whatever you call it. And I'm like, there's going to be another one, right? Like there's going to be two of these things running because there's too many people. And I don't even know what the max occupancy is on this thing, but I think everybody's ignoring that. So it must be a game that these guys play. How many people can we squeeze in this thing? Who cares about weight limits? Because I'm like watching it pack out. And then they're like, okay, you're next. And I'm like, where? Where am I going? Well, you're just, you're going to get really familiar with about four or five people. Like that's, we're just going to press you in there. And that's just... All the way up there, it's like two-minute ride, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, if, if there's ever a time for a rapture, this is the moment. Because <laughs> I don't even know who this person is right in my face, and this guy and this guy. I'm just like, oh, Lord, Jesus. New heaven, new earth. That's really spacious, right? Really spacious? Okay, cool. I remember reading the, di- the dimensions on that. This is like that scene. This is like people are like, pressing in. There is like no room at all. I mean, they're just like crowding. Here's what's significant about this. So you got the crowd, lots of people. They're making their way to this guy's house, Jairus's house. In verse 25, it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, hemorrhaging, a constant flow of blood. For 12 years. 
Same time this little girl's been alive. Same time the little girl's been alive. Here she is with 12 years of continual, constant bleeding. Says she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything. Everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, it tells us what it says right there. In fact, she had gotten worse. Big crowd, there's Jesus. There's Jairus walking with Jesus, leading him, probably like, we got to go, got to go, got to go, we got to go. And somehow, some way, this lady who has had this constant flow of blood for 12 years, which technically makes her unclean. According to the book of Leviticus, she's unclean. She presses in. And she's like, and, and we have, you have to understand this, like, there's not much difference between her and a leper. They're both viewed the same way. She's unclean. Anybody she comes into contact with would be unclean. She, we don't know her, we don't know anything about her. We don't even get a name for this lady. She'll be in heaven you can talk to her when you get there. We have no, but probably she had to be divorced. Probably was removed from her family. Because technically within the law, she can't be around anybody. Because she has this continual flow of blood which makes her unclean. And anybody she would touch becomes unclean. She can't even worship in the synagogue that Jairus works at because she's unclean. She can't go to church. She can't even hang out in the, the court with, where the, all the women hang out. Can't go in there. She can't even go in the court where the Gentiles would hang out. She's unclean. Very similar to like how a leper is viewed. Hers is more of like where leprosy is obviously very physical and you can tell and all that good stuff. Hers is hidden. Hers is hidden. And it's a hidden pain that she's been carrying with her for 12 years. 12 years. But on this day, on this day, he's back on the shore. And she's going to do whatever it takes to get to him, get to the one who, who she knows he can solve my problem. He can solve my problem. So she's breaking all sorts of rules and regulations just to get close to Jesus because she has to physically come in contact with a lot of people to press through them to get to Jesus. She's like, I don't care. I don't care. And sometimes we have to be like that. I don't care what the rules are. I have to get to Jesus. I don't care what humiliation may come as a result of this. I have to get to Jesus. Jairus had to get to Jesus for the sake of his daughter. This unknown lady is getting to Jesus for the sake of her own, her own issue. She went to all the doctors. She probably at some point in time, she had to have money. She probably at some point in time was a wealthy woman. Because she's able to go to all these doctors. We don't know technically what all that means as far as how many doctors and all that. 
but they had plenty of different rules and ideas and theories, hypotheses concerning, okay, how to fix this problem she had. We'll mix up this stuff and you drink that. Did that not work? Okay, well, then we're going to mix up some of this other stuff. You drink that. We'll see if that works. There are tons of remedies, quote unquote, remedies that were out there. Nothing worked for her and she went broke, broke, just trying to get back to normal. She lost it all. I mean, she probably just so that she could be around her family again. And there's, there's no amount of money that I wouldn't spend to be with my family. And she spent it all. And they couldn't solve her problem. In fact, everything that they did for her just made it worse. So now, not only is she broke, but she's in worse shape than when she first started. And you can tell that the hope just kind of dims out after a while, right? I mean, okay, I'll go to this expert. And then this expert says, well, we can try this. And then you try that. And then that didn't work. I mean, you can only do that so many times before you're just like, so is this it? Like, this is what I have to live with? This is where she's at. Mark gives us this beautiful little insight into who this lady is, what her story is. She spent everything, but it got no better. She's worse. She's in a worse state. She has this thought, verse 27. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. So she knows who he is, and there's probably an act of like somewhat of a superstition that's associated with this, okay? But the, in her brain and in her heart, this is what she's thinking like, okay, all I got to do is just, he's a holy man. And so if, if I can even just touch the hem of his garment, I know that that's powerful enough to heal me. Now, there's a lot of superstition that's wrapped up within that. And we could be like... This is where, you know, you break out your Bibles and we can like, we could sit down with her and prove to her, show her theologically where she's an heir and all that good stuff. Who cares? This is what she needed and this is what she got. And Jesus didn't sit her down and say like, okay, so now technically, let me school you a little bit on how healings work. He met her where she was at. He met her where she was at. There she is. And I mean, you can picture this. I know that I've seen, you know, there's illustrations and all this good stuff of what this probably looked like. And there's, and I'm like, you're all wrong. Like all these drawings on this thing are all wrong because there's like a lot of space between people and all that good stuff. What I envision in this is like crowds of people and she just, maybe that hand reaching out for, in the midst of like a crowd of people down to the hem of his garment, like as close as I can get to him because I just have to touch his garment. That's all I need to do. That's, that's all I need. That's more than enough for me. That was where her faith was. Verse 20 says, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. That's what will do it for me. I will be healed. Verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Immediately, she reached out, touched the hem of his garment, and she felt it. It's done. 12 years. Done. Like, can you imagine what that's like? Like, 
the like, so if you've never gone through anything like that, I can explain it like this. There are two emotions that try to occupy space within your mind and your heart at the same time. Okay? Elation and fear. Elation, joy, exuberant joy, all that freedom, weight lifted, but there's also fear. There's also fear. If you've ever gone through anything like this, you understand what I'm talking about because what happens in our brains is like, it worked. Did it really work? It worked. How long will it last? I'm set free, but for how long? That's the realness behind some of these things that we don't often talk about. They're like, no, you'd be set free. It's good and all this stuff. I've had stories like this personally within my life where it's almost immediately the enemy comes in. He's like, yeah, but how long? But how long? It's just going to come back. And then he wants to trap you in that fear. He just wants to trap you in the fear. What he wants to do is, because he steals, he kills, and he destroys, what he wants to do is rob you of the freedom that Jesus has just granted to you. Apply that to anything within your life. If it's been set free from certain addiction or whatever, the enemy is really good about coming right alongside you and saying, yeah, but how long will it last? Are you really set free? Why? Because he wants to rob from you the joy that Jesus has given you. He wants to steal that blessing from you of this healing or freedom that you've just encountered because that's what he does. We have to be smart and know this when you're going into some of these scenarios. And if you're currently walking through one of these scenarios with somebody else, you would do really well to encourage them and to let them know like, hey, listen, just so you know, the healing, I believe the healing's happened. Absolutely. But there's another side of these things that we need to be prepared for. You got to know your enemy and his tactics. And we'd be fools to think like, got set free, smooth selling from here on out, like no issues. We'd be fools to think that because she experienced elation and joy and Satan had tremendous hatred towards this scenario. Because he had her where he wanted her. And now Jesus just broke her loose. He just set her free. So she reaches out. She touches the hem of his garment. She feels this. She she gets healed. I mean, it's done. And and what's so cool about this story, if you parallel it with like the, the lepers who got healed, or the one leper who got healed by Jesus, by Jesus touching the leper, Jesus never had to worry about the leprosy infecting him. He's like, no, I'll touch you. But the moment my... My flesh makes contact with your flesh. You become clean. I don't become leprous. He didn't have to worry about this lady touching the hem of his garments because he was never going to become unclean. The moment she made contact with the hem of his garments, many people are bumping into Jesus in this story. But only one of them was reaching out in faith to touch him. And she was made clean. A good application do not settle for just bumping into Jesus every so often. That's what we do on Sunday mornings sometimes. We just bump shoulders with Jesus. And that's good enough. It's not good enough. As a pastor, can I tell you that that's not acceptable? May we be like this woman who reaches out for Jesus. May we be like Jairus who 
pursues Jesus, goes beyond Sunday mornings, has to go beyond Sunday mornings. So here she is. She reaches out. She feels it. Jesus, verse 30, says this. He realized at once the healing power had gone out from him. This is the only time in the Gospels we see anything like this. Only time. There's no other healing stories where he's like, I felt like the power left me. We're like, what in the world? What does this mean? What are you talking about? This is the only time. He realized that power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? He just stops. He stops. Everybody bumps into him, right? Because they're walking with Jesus down the road. And he turns around. He's like, hey, who touched me? Who touched me? And this is where his disciples, who have been very silent up until now, speak up. And you kind of think, like, you probably should have stayed quiet. But okay. His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? They're like, Jesus, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. He's like, no, they're not. Everybody might be bumping into me, but there's only one who reached out to touch me. Jesus, you're nuts. Look at all these people. Who's touching? You're like, disciples, no, no, no. This is getting written down forever, guys. This is, no, just stop talking. Like, please. I love that Peter was a part of the, you know, him and Mark are writing this thing down. And Peter's like, yeah, dude, we said that. Um, Yeah. Just put it in there. They need to know. They need to know that there are other people that we were like like them because we do the same thing. But they're like, who touched you? He kept looking around, so it seems as though he like just totally ignores what the disciples are saying. They're like, what is he? He's crazy. Everybody's touching. He's like, no, nah, 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 just stop talking. Like, there's somebody here who reached out to touch me. Who did it? The frightened woman, verse 33, trembled at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. This is now the third person in this chapter who falls down at the feet of Jesus. She's like, it was me. You have to understand, in this moment, she exposes herself. Because the people of this town know who she is, and they know what her issue is, and they know that she's unclean. It's in this moment where she has to take that step, that courage, that might risk her some embarrassment to step out and be like, it was me. As everybody in the crowd panics, because they're like, oh, she bumped into me. That means that I'm unclean. That just cost me. Now I got to take some time out before I can go back to the temple and worship again. I mean, they, they take this stuff very seriously. They're, you can go over to Israel now, and there's some of these guys who take this very, very seriously to where they see this Gentile, Texan, They love Texans, by the way. That's another reason you should go to Israel, because they love Texas. They just do. It's a cool thing. They got Texas flags flying in like downtown Jerusalem. I felt really at home there when I was there. The the other reality of that is like, they will go out of their way to avoid making contact with you. Not all of them, because again, remember the gondola pressed in, like, right, like really, really pressed. Like you're not avoiding any contact in those situations, right? But there are some who see you walking down the sidewalk will go across the street to walk on the sidewalk on the whole other side. There's some sitting on an, in an airplane with you who will make sure they do it, whatever it takes to make sure that they do not bump into you. I know what that feels like. 
I know I'm not offended by that. Whatever. That's their deal, right? They're caught up in that. I get it. This, you've got those same people within this crowd. And then as she raises her hand and steps forward, you can understand for the crowd's sake, they're all like, <gasps> scandalous. What just happened? Did she touch me? Did she touch you? I don't know. Let's just, let's say that she didn't. So we'll be okay. You don't have to worry about it. Wait, she touched him. She touched the rabbi. And I know we can see this stuff and we're like, what's the big deal? Why, why make such a big deal about this? It's touching those rules and all that good stuff. Look, it was part of the law when they moved from Egypt into Israel. And, you know, there was a whole, you know, way of living life and all that stuff that Moses, through the Lord, obviously had to write down these things for these guys of like, look, here's how these people live in the land now. You're moving into land. These are the rules. This is what has to be practiced and all this good stuff. There's a reason for these things. Now, if you know anything, you go to the book of Acts and some of those dietary laws are, are done away with and all that good stuff. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, you know, when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff now. Like, like somebody have like a flow of blood and all that stuff. I don't want to touch it. That's nonsense now, right? Like, we don't have to worry about those things that define what you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Okay? You don't have to worry about that. What are these people into? Should I avoid contact with them? No, they're, def- they're not going to get onto you, so to speak. I think we live our lives sometimes of like in fear, just like these Jews within the crowd of like, I don't want to get too close. I don't want to get too close because I don't want their stuff on me. And Jesus is like, you are missing why you're on this planet. Totally missing it. So I get some of the crowd reaction, but I mean, this is the reality of what she would, she would encounter. As she has to step forward. She has to own it. And she tells Jesus, this is what I did. I just thought if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I'd be made well. Here's my story. 12 years. 12 years. The whole time she's telling Jesus her story, you know Jarius is losing it. He's like, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. Cool story. We have to go. Because my daughter's dying. And this interruption is very inconvenient. So she's telling him all that stuff. Verse 34, Jesus addresses her and says, daughter, first time. Probably, I think technically the only time this, this term is used in the Gospels for this specific term addressing this lady. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Not my hymn, not my garment. Your faith, your trust in who I am has made you well. The, the garment was just a point of contact. That's all it was. He says, go in peace. Your suffering is over. And your suffering is over. You've been set free. You're healed. You're restored. I do want to point out these last two few things before and we'll wrap up Jerry's story, but concerning this, this daughter, as Jesus would call her, he addressed her publicly. And there, there's a few reasons why we think that he addressed her publicly. Instead of just moving on, he took time to stop and actually address this. And I've already spoke to it a little bit, but the, the second reason I'll say this, that he addressed her publicly was for the sake of the crowd and for the sake of Jarius. So that they would know like, he's got power over sickness and diseases.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.